What's up, guys? Mike here. And I'm Emily. We chat about all things Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And how this martial art has influenced practitioners of all ages and backgrounds. From mindset to a way of life. Welcome to Jiu-Chat. We chat with Chris Newman today from the UK. He's a black belt and a European champion three times in the gi and two times in no gi. He trained at London Fight Zone from white to black under Marco Cunha. And he's now one of the instructors at the prestigious BJJ Academy. Enjoy. They kind of don't give you a choice, right? They kind of like put you through the process like almost as if they made the decision for you. This is what's happened. This is yeah. what's going to happen. And then you don't doubt it because they seem like they exactly. know what you're doing, right? They t- yeah, you're able to put all your like, trust into their expertise. Yeah, two years, two years off with no training. Uh, don't do anything. Slowly get back into walking and like uh, static cycling. How long did it take you to get back to training? Back to jiu-jitsu, three months. I and they back. told you two years, did they? Yeah, they told me mm-hmm. about two years. So as soon as I could like put pressure on my knee standing i went to my gym and started doing static cycle because it gets movement in the knee yeah but exactly it doesn't it, if it no doesn't get like it. oxygenated blood it's not and gonna, this is the thing right it's not gonna for me it's not I gonna be, have the optimal nutrients to yeah. heal right that's why i personally believe any injury that you can movement is the key it's, movement it's, is medicine it's definitely because think about it years and years ago talking like 50 years ago they would say rest up stay in bed don't move just rest for two weeks yeah. don't do anything yeah do nothing just eat get fat get lazy but okay. the thing is when you don't move your muscles start to deteriorate mm-hmm. they get weaker and then you have to try and build it up that's why recovery often takes longer right yeah. because yeah. you're so weak and you have to try and regain that strength yeah. just to get up walking again yeah. so i flipped it and looked at the perspective like if i were to keep moving then surely it would aid the recovery Mm. and it did three weeks post-surgery i was jogging on a treadmill squats with no weight on the bar but i I wouldn't push it i'm not recommending people to (laughs) go and start squatting 100 kilos or whatever i just mean like i would test the limit to where it was still comfortable if anything would ever cause me pain then i would ease off i would never like rack up loads of weight on the squat squat bar and just start squatting do you think a mindset like this matters how far along in the sport you've been in for example if you tell this to a white belt do you think they would approach this recovery from knee surgery the same way as someone who's been practicing for a long long time i think most of them would have probably quit after receiving (laughs) knee surgery yeah at that early stage i think if they get a serious injury like that very few people come back they'll stick it up i think if you're if you're like a higher belt brown belt maybe blue belt you know if you're an enthusiastic blue belt then you get a serious injury i think then yeah. you might have the drive to get the surgery in right? I'd agree because I was that enthusiastic blue belt <laughs> it happened when I was a blue belt oh really and while I was waiting for surgery I continued competing continued training hard I trained the yeah. night before my surgery right. I had surgery at like 6am that very night I was in the gym until it closed training because you knew then, you were gonna yeah. be not going to be <laughs> I was expecting two years with no training but at the same time I believe it's a, a mindset if you believe that it's going to take two years then you're going to allow it to take two years I was determined yeah. to That's get back point. That is a good point. as yeah. soon as I could but, oh, totally. but I smartly I wasn't just not trashing again. it yeah <laughs> right how, I, how long did you say it took you to get your black belt six years six years yes because i've been told so often it takes 10 years 10 years mm. anytime i would achieve something right. prior to that too soon yeah. there would always be that pressure 
You know what okay. I mean? Like you haven't got enough experience. So it's like you've ar- you've already been preconditioned belt. to exactly. to follow the system. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, so you can, like, like he just said, if you allow your injury to take two years to recover, you probably will. Mm. So if you the same thing with the black belt, if you think it's going to take you ten years, and you might not push yourself. Yeah, as fast. yeah. Right. he wanted it sooner. <laughs> <Right. Yes. he laughs> Actually, believe it or not, the black belt is like the byproduct. Obviously, anybody that starts a martial no, art. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying you were like, chasing the belt, but oh. what I'm saying is you didn't give yourself that ten year black oh, belt no, thing. No, and no, just like tool. lead you to not procrastinate is what I'm trying to say. I, it's not like I wasn't on a mission though to try and achieve it in no, less no, than of 10. Course, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not talking like about belt chasing here. I'm just talking about this, the... It's like limiting the lead yeah. On, yeah, how, yeah. on how fast you can actually grow and advance. You're setting right? yourself a time p- frame mm. and you're living according to that. Mm. But that time frame is your own choosing is what I'm trying to say. For example, yeah. if you take... If you tr- preach, decide it's gonna take Mike, you preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it. This is what Chris said. And it's a good point. But it's that, true. Um, I think a lot th- of people that, that, do that. that. Yeah, limiting beliefs, I think it's a grace below over to all aspects of life. You know, when I was being told like, okay, you got X amount of time to be in a hospital. I'm going to see how much shorter I can make that process because I do not want to be in a hospital for eight weeks. Mm. Well, exactly. Your determination overcame the limit. So some people will hear a limit and just abide by it. Whereas some people see that as a challenge do you think it's also about how curious we are because all of us are naturally curious but do we feed the curiosity we all have a natural sense of curiosity i believe because we're naturally curious as kids Mm. right if you see something you chase after it but as adults i think we're less intuitive to that curiosity and more conditioned to go into the program and 100 yes and to just follow along on what everybody is doing and what everybody's saying so let's take it to the corporate world for example if someone says okay when you come in you need to start from the bottom and you're probably going to be working for 10 years before you get to a senior management level well if you accept it then that's probably what is going to happen Exactly. But if you go in with the mindset of, no, you know what? I'm going to show them what I can do. But most importantly, it's not about showing them. It's about how can I challenge myself yeah. to not take that route. But that's the thing. Not everybody has that. I think it's a very, very difficult thing to develop. It's, it's to, to only compare yourself to yourself. It's mm-hmm. a different mm-hmm. mindset. And you'll often see that the greatest achievers have that mindset mm-hmm. of Definitely. fighting challenges, fighting obstacles, limits. It's like so many people just surrender to them and they never try to push past it like yeah so okay let's bring it back to expectations so chris when you started brazilian jiu-jitsu what were your expectations to tell you the truth my only objective was to become a blue belt yeah (laughs) i was like so determined to become a blue belt within one year that i attended as many classes as i possibly could i think that's important because if you if you're talking about black belt that's so far away right so much easier to give up after like three four years i think it's important to set yourself like step by step and obviously now i know that to go for a belt is not is not the point here no that's definitely not yeah as as somebody that had no idea no previous martial art experience so bj yeah. was like your first my martial first arts? thing How except cool for like that? karate when i was about seven that i did for two weeks but, but i don't think that <laughs> <two really weeks>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't think that counts though. my mom bought the gi and everything and then, oh, yeah. and then i stopped going but you didn't do anything else like fitness stuff or uh, just football. football yeah i was a classic kid on the estate okay what kind Take of questions would offend you like simple things, you know, like how long do you think I would, it would take to get my blue belt? Some people oh, get really like offended, that. Okay. you know, some people can get <laughs> correct, really Why correct. didn't I get graded? <laughs> yeah, you know, for the, for them, it's but not an offensive question or it's not a rude correct, question. Correct, correct. It's just, it's just out of curiosity but because they, don't, they like, don't really know what to ask though. And generally they want to know, right? Because it's important at the time, but that's not the mindset you want to foster. And certain 
like old school instructors will hold you back a year or two just for that one yeah, question. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Even in pole, girls would ask us like, how long will it take for us to go upside down like that? I'm like, it depends on how much time you put in. Because like a brown belt can beat a white belt, but that, that brown belt might still be like a brown belt to a white belt. That, might, that brown belt might be a white belt to another brown belt, like a competitive brown belt. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So then the white belt wouldn't know which brown belt is better because they're oh, both okay, okay. equally good to the white belt. But there's a big gap between the two brown belts as well. Yeah. So then if they ask questions like that, like for example, oh, is that he beat you or something? Certain people might get offended by that. Did you mm -hmm. see what I'm trying to say? So what, that's what I mean. It takes a certain degree of knowledge in any field to know what's good and what's not. Yeah. So just as Chris was saying, when you first decide, you wouldn't really know, right? So yeah. it's more about convenience yeah. and stuff like that. Like you don't know what the rules are, and you what don't you care. can and can't do. You don't really care, right? Because yeah. you're learning the bare necessities, right? So why does it might really matter if it's a world champion or an average draw, I suppose, right? I, fe I fell in love with it. Mm. It was very technical, it was mentally challenging. How did it compliment you on your personality? To tell you the truth, like, I've grown tremendously because of it. When I first started, I joined the gym with my friend. We both had the same idea, but he was very, like, flaky. He would give it all the talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I'm determined. Yeah. And then he would always cancel on me, right? So I was so shy that I wouldn't go to class unless he was with oh. me. But then it got to a point where I enjoyed it so much when I did go that I knew that I had to overcome that fear mm -hmm. of training with people that I didn't know if I wanted to achieve what I set out to achieve. Mm -hmm. Because I could have easily fell back with my friend and just mm -hmm. went every now and again and then just probably end up doing what he did and that was drop out after three months right. or whatever. But for me, the, the drive to get better was more powerful than my like insecurities and fears. I was scared to go and train with other people because I thought, one, I don't know them, Two, I'm probably gonna have to talk to them. <laughs> and for me, I know it sounds silly, right? No, no, no it but it's very true. No, because I totally it, yeah, feel yeah. you. But these things for me were massive barriers. But the point I'm making is that I wanted to progress and get better. So yeah. I had to just face those barriers. I had to overcome them. If I didn't, I would have just dropped off and I wouldn't be here now. I guess the message is that when you face challenges, yeah. don't run away from them, fight them, like tackle them. Otherwise, you'll never progress. And once you like overcome it, there's this great sense of achievement and like strength. I feel like every time I overcome a challenge like that, like scared to fly or mm. bungee jumping, yeah. or scared of heights, <laughs> Mike, tell us about your scared of heights story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, 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 it's we real. About this before, didn't we? Am right? When you do something that you're terrified of, and if you get over it, then it feels great. Yeah. But yeah. Like, getting except, over it is the hard part, yeah. right? Except for flying for me. I wanted to ask for, not just for the podcast, but for my personal reasons, I suppose. What were your goals in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? For example, it was always to win like the European title or like the world title? Or something it actually like wasn't. I, I didn't set those kinds of goals until I think I was deep into purple belt. Okay. And then so, so what was your goal, that, the first goal that you set? To yourself? get better. Just well, to in get better on that. What I mean, did you? Did you did I you didn't. Have, you I never had, had a goal. It was just I to didn't. test yourself, kind of. Thing. Yeah, like I would literally because I discovered that with competing, mm. that's kind of like a true test of your capability and your skill level. Because when you train at the gym, you get used to the guys that you're training with. Yeah, you're you you're generally learning the same things together, mm. so you kind of become complacent and accustomed to how 
your peers are training and how they train like you might have your favorite sparring partner you know their favorite moves sure, and you get comfortable as well you know what i mean because you know what to expect right you and after yeah that's a while, what i mean gonna, like yeah you kind of already not, know what they're going yourself. to do mm, mm, mm. so you're, you're constantly fighting the same people so for me to go out and compete it was like obviously a little bit of a confident booster in the sense that okay i'm, I'm heading in the right direction the, mm. the techniques that i'm able to apply are working and not just in the gym but against like yeah because there are some great guys in the gym but when they compete they suck yeah yeah and why do you think that is personally i believe it's it's mainly mentality yeah i agree because like like we said like when you're in the gym you're comfortable you know your coach mm. you're you're in a safe environment that atmosphere is one you're familiar with and a lot of people crumble to the pressure of having eyes on them the noises no for sure i i say that because i feel like i've experienced something similar so for example my one of my goals that i set was like to be european champion yeah right and i was like if i as soon as i achieve that that then I don't have to worry about competing and stuff. I could just oh. like brag about that Eddie Bravo <laughs> style and that's that, right? But then, uh, as lame as that sounds, because I didn't really want to take it to that level where I want to be like six-time world champion. Not that, saying I, I'm, not that I'm saying I could have, but I'm saying like it takes a certain degree of obsession to get to that level. You know, I love jiu-jitsu, but I know what you have to do to become like six-time world champion, and I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what is required to be a six-time champion a lot more than what i'm doing now and i find <laughs> what i'm doing to be tiring already so i don't know exactly is, but i know what it takes to be like a successful competitor and that for one is it's already tough <laughs> yeah it's it's not easy it's, yeah. it's very time consuming how long will it take for you guys to prep for a comp in all honesty i stay ready i train i train the same that's a lie i train consistently the entire time but I will increase the tempo a little bit, probably around a month out from a competition. I will train hard all year round, providing there's no serious injuries. And then probably a month before a competition, I would increase it a bit. So I would do extra speed drills, extra cardio, maybe do like extra rounds of sparring. Just focus more on the conditioning side of jujitsu, as in like yeah. the, um, the kind of muscle endurance you're gonna require. So I'd focus more on that and refining my game. So I'd probably do it more in session. So I'd do like a drilling session where it's just technique. So maybe I'd do that in the morning as my first like training of the day. And then in the evening would be more focused towards like sparring, trying to implement my game plan, trying to implement the techniques. And then probably after I finish the sparring, I will do like cardio. So speed drills, okay. so it's like sports so, yeah, specific movements for jujitsu. Yeah, because it's like I always think you need to do sports specific exercises to be good at a specific sport. Because if you're going running, okay, overall it's going to increase your cardio a little bit, but it's not really going to benefit your jujitsu as such. Yeah. Because you can run a marathon, but you might not be able to to survive two rounds of sparring. I agree with you, but. I also agree that things uh, like running have its uh, benefits because I didn't used to see the point in running. You know, why would you run when you, for 30 minutes when you can drill for 30 minutes, right? That was the mindset. Yeah, I would do both. Yeah. I do run. You, yeah, you I do, do run. both. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So overall, it complements your cardio as a whole. Like it, you're in fitness, of course. It will. Not, not just cardio, dude. Like your biomechanics. 
Like if you don't jog and you're just sitting on your butt all the time and all yeah. your, your body is gonna <laughs> e evolve into that. You're gonna turn into some kind of like turtle kind of being with like like imbalances in your body and you might end up with like long-term injuries. For example, I see a lot of the older competitors, they have problems, man. They have like hip and one hip is like sticking out here from playing lasso on from one side for too long, you know? Small things yeah. that build up over the years. So things like yoga and jogging and- Yeah, and for sure. Conditioning, I, I think is very- I do, I do yoga daily. So I do yoga daily. I go for a half marathon every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Sunday is my run day. What I'm saying is I think the mistake that um, I used to make was being a bit too jiu-jitsu obsessed. You know, ah, I think okay. it's okay at the beginning when you're learning techniques and stuff, but then there comes a point where you have to start incorporating other things just right. for your own well-being. So you were only you know? drilling jiu-jitsu and you were only sparring. Just drilling, sparring, and no nothing weights, else. nothing else. You no know? strength training, no flexibility, mobility no, stuff. Because no. my mindset was why do anything else? Anything else mm -hmm. I'm doing, that's time I could be doing, getting yeah, better at yeah. jiu-jitsu, right? You know, but then after a while, once you've caught up with the techniques and stuff, like it's like when you're playing a video game, right? Mm -hmm. You're putting all your uh, points into like one aspect, technique. But then you've got zero strength, <laughs> zero flexibility. And that pro evolution. Right? This is where you I'm know, lost. <laughs> let's say you get Zelda, but then you get five points. Mm. And you can choose those five points either on strength, flexibility, technique, stamina, or mm. intelligence or whatever, mm -hmm. right? That's just how you do it. You can like put two stars on each one if you have six points. Or okay. you can just put right. six stars in one. Right, right, right. <laughs> you see what I mean? Okay, and that's yeah. the equivalent yeah. of what so I was like doing. So it's saying. like investment as well. You don't want to invest. You don't want to put yeah, all your eggs in one basket. you want to diversify, exactly. You want to diversify. That's totally my movement industry. philosophy, man. <laughs> People are like, what do you want to get good at? I'm like, everything. Exactly. Yeah, So, but it's just how you decide to do it, right? That is true. But there are pros and cons to doing it both ways is what I'm saying. Of course, because when everything becomes a distraction, then you're not really doing, you're not really achieving anything. What if some people just want, for example, for me, when I first showed up to jiu-jitsu, I was straight up, look, I'm not here to chase belts. I'm really here to to learn self-defense. I'm, I'm here to put myself in situations that potentially I might panic in if I face a situation. People, Different people do it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some people do it just as a hobby and then they turn into competitors. Some people go there with the idea of they want to compete. Some people do it like yeah. you to learn self-defense. So if you're in a real life situation, you can defend yourself. Well, did your goals change though? <laughs> and for example, when you first started, were you thinking, yeah, I'm going to compete the European no, championship? Not at all, <laughs> but three months into training, a competition popped up and I thought, why not? I had no idea how it would be, three how it months? would feel. Three months. Do you feel those decisions, you kind of don't think about it, you could just kind I, of yeah, do I it, right? Yeah, I didn't think. Yeah, yeah, I had, yeah. Because I had, I had no idea how it would be. The second I, I just knew there was no striking. Yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, so hang on. Tell me, how does someone who initially didn't go for jiu-jitsu without his buddy goes and compete after three months of training? I don't know. I guess it was just one it's, of it's those. It's very hard to explain. I've had, right? the, I've had the similar experience. The second yeah. competition I've ever done was i ever did was uh, uh the europeans so like I, I just went for it you know you, if you were really like yeah. thinking about it that logically you would that probably wouldn't be the second ever competition you go for but like you just see it and you just go for it because uh, you just yeah you don't think too I much right? i think it's the unknown because you don't know what to expect it doesn't scare you as much because you don't know what's going to happen if you have what, expectations yeah, now you're going to go live through up to that them, experience right? you know how it feels you know what's going to happen you know yeah. it's going to be a tough tough fight yeah. you know you know you're going to have to like train hard for it and so you know what to expect on the second time on the first time i had no idea mm. i didn't even know what i was doing i was making stuff up as i was fighting <laughs> <laughs> 
which yes. probably most people. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm it's just pretty much just stuff. like it's just another cropping session, just a lot yeah. of a lot of eyeballs on you. And sometimes I think sometimes it works, sometimes it won't. <laughs> but now you know what will work and what won't. All right, I knew is the knee slide. Knee slide, is a knee, slide knee cut, whatever you want to call so it. So based on that, on you're your doing that from white belt, dude. Yeah, that, that was like the first pass I learned. It's my favorite guard pass. It's I think like at any level, what made me really want to start doing it is Hodolfo. You remember watching Hodolfo just knee cut everybody. Hodolfo uh, Vieira. It's so effective. I've yeah. taken it from white to black. Mm, mm, yeah, it works on every single Literally. level. Literally. But I didn't know. Are these the things you teach? This Mike? is this is the guard pass. Uh, I always teach even the drill. Okay, with the cool. So the I don't need to Instagram this. I could just like, Mike, show me this again. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, well, you should know if you were coming to the class. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to remember, though. and it's quite an advanced move. That's why I'm surprised he was doing it at um, white belt because there's a yeah. lot of minor details that uh, white belt can't really. Uh, and that was the thing. Them. I remember I was I was doing it wrong. You Wait, you so technically you were doing it wrong in training. In training, not, yeah, maybe so not wrong, but like you, you were definitely missing details. I was missing, so. yeah, missing details, right? Like in jujitsu, I know some guys it works. Like the judo guys, they can hold the head hmm. and get like scarf hold oh, submissions. Oh, you mean like from side control without the underhook? Yeah, like they sometimes they, they knee slide without having yeah, the underhook, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was always taught not to do that because if they're quick enough or they're strong enough, they will back. just escape their head out, take it back, and now you're being choked, right? So. I was doing it wrong, unknowing at the time. And then my coach saw me doing it wrong and he shouted at me, hey, stop holding the head. Honestly, when after he shouted. Back, <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that happening. He's like, stop holding the head. And well, obviously. You should have kept yeah. holding the head at that point, yeah. right? Because it's better than to just let yeah, go. Yeah, because, and then I let go and then the guy was on my back, right? But. I would have better, it was better, better, better advice no offense to your coach would have been to say get the underhook change the head for the underhook right? but I think oh, it was yeah. out of frustration because he kept telling you so many times yeah like yeah. but also like wouldn't the other guy hear it and be like okay he's gonna release my head now yeah. I'm, still, I'm just gonna start planning what to do no but there's no follow up to letting go of his head <laughs> let go yeah, of his head and then what he's straight <laughs> on your back they're the in trouble you let go yeah but the thing is like I think my coach was more shouting at me because it was frustration yeah I know I, how he, feels, he, yeah. he hadn't he hadn't corrected me at all before that mm. because obviously like as a coach you walk around and you mm. make sure everybody's doing it right especially in like a beginner class you have to pay more attention because there's more room for error right so i think because i was a student of his that he liked he expected he, more yeah, yeah he where i made that he was mistake projecting a lot more expectations yeah. on you he like shouted at me not in like an aggressive way, but stop holding the head. Kind of like a disappointed dad yeah. kind of way. <laughs> it was it was pure frustration, right? But the, after that, I never did it again. Yeah, yeah. You definitely yeah, yeah, you yeah. definitely won't. If you make a mistake in competition, especially if it leads you to getting submitted in front of everybody you know, you probably will do everything you can to yeah. not let that happen again. Yeah. You know. If we're talking about how to get really good learning skills down, like the art of learning. To learn is actually a skill. Of course. However, yeah. some people don't understand the difference between learning and just remembering, regurgitating, and just drilling mindlessly yeah. without putting well, but that's because it, right? that's how the school teaches it, yeah. right? <laughs> how do you think we can help people, though? Because I understand that when we learn something and there's some sort of emotional response to when you're learning, it tends to stick. I don't know exactly what it was, but him shouting at me, it just stuck with me not to do it again. He shouted and then he explained. Like, listen, if you don't go with the underhook, that yeah, will happen to you. I, I find that they really will come out. And yeah, that makes on the sense. Back. When, when you're getting shouted at and then you're given the reason. It was explained to me why. Yeah. And I think this style of, of 
not necessarily the shouting aspect, but I mean the breaking it down as mm. to why you shouldn't. It filters out a lot of mistakes that you would discover for yourself. So you could repeatedly keep doing a mistake and getting caught in a position or submitted or whatever, and you'll just keep doing it until you personally figure out how to stop it or how to stop getting into that situation. But whereas if your coach breaks it down like, okay, well, you shouldn't put your hand here because if you put it here, they can do this or don't drop your hip there because then your weight's there and they can just come on top. For me personally, when, when it's explained like that, it filters out the aspect of failure. I don't have to keep failing and learn these things myself. If you've already explained to me why I shouldn't to, do it. You don't it. have to learn it the hard way. Yeah. You just learn it the smart Instead way. Instead of just keep sparring, 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 sparring. Yeah. I feel like sometimes there are benefits to learning it the hard way though but yeah it's not harder <laughs> yeah I just mean that especially as a beginner yeah you definitely you will spend a lot of time making mistakes and that's why it's important to have a mindset that's positive because you're going to make a lot of mistakes because like yeah. <laughs> when you're at the beginning you've got to be resilient you know it's so easy to give up because you're just going to be getting choked left, right, and center all day, every day, you know? So and you have to have thing. a lot of resilience. It's not an easy thing to... But that, in. again, the resilience, I feel, comes from the determination of getting somewhere different to where you are now, like to achieve certain things. So at the That's core, a, right? Yeah, at like the if core, the drive you, you is more important... You do need to have intrinsic motivation, but how does someone cultivate yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, like how else do you go somewhere daily, voluntarily, and get your ass kicked. <laughs> you go there, unless you're like a, a weird person. Or something. Is that what <laughs> yeah. it is, a masochist? Oh, so someone who kind of takes pleasure in, from pain. Yes, exactly. From getting beat up daily. Right? Mm, Isn't mm. that a masochist? I'm not exactly sure. I don't sure. know, we'll look it up after. Okay. <laughs> okay, if you guys know the answer, <laughs> put it in the comments <laughs> below. <laughs> Drop a comment. Clearly we're not that intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> Well, clearly we're not into it hence we don't know what it's called <laughs> unless you have issues where you desire to get beaten up okay yeah that's basically <laughs> we don't want to use too many big words and confuse you guys you know so we'll keep it simple <laughs> so basically how you learn in the beginning as a white belt with no expectations and you're just there purely to learn uh as the years go by how do you still continuously pick up new stuff but how do you try to retain new things quicker and more Effective. I, th I think like with jujitsu, there are many, many, many techniques and they're constantly evolving. But I feel like a lot of techniques are the same mechanically. Like once you have the mechanics the concept, down. you mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah I've noticed too. Yeah. Like for example, to do a sweep from this position, you need, well for most sweeps, you'll need a sleeve and a pan or something along those lines. So most sweeps, you'll need to bring the weight on top of you. Too often, mm -hmm. the mistake that I didn't notice for a long time and the concept that people don't grasp is for most effective sweeps, unless you're talking about like, ex there are exceptions, but most of the time you can't sweep a person when they're leaning back, unless you're talking about just getting up and then right. them sitting so back. Just a basic understanding of that. A basic concept right? would be for most sweeps, you'd have to bring their weight on top of you first, then redirect it, rather than just try to redirect it and topple them over. You know what I'm trying it's, to say, Chris? Like yeah, a scissor sweep. You've yeah, got to bring them yeah. forward. If they don't, uh, then the sweep's not going to work, right? There's, but it's like everything. There's different things for different situations. Like, of for course, example, yeah. there are reaction sweeps. There are sweeps that you set up, sweeps that you force. But, I mean, essentially, it's like physics, right? So you know that if their weight is to the right, trying to take them to the left is going to be difficult because mm -hmm. their weight is planted to their right. So it's like understanding what, you, what it is that you need to be able to pull off sweeps. So over time, the like, more you practice, the more you drill, yeah. and the more you put yourself in different situations, you start to get that rhythm quicker. 
you start to process you understand, that. Yeah, yeah, you, you understand what it is you need well. to be able to do certain things. Because in the beginning, it does take a while to like, okay, hang on, if I want this. You know what I mean? Like the process yeah. just seems so slow in the beginning. I, but I think you got to be, to an extent, a bit of a nerd to really enjoy jiu-jitsu. Right. You need to be able to geek out on you, things. You kind of have to right? geek out on it, yeah. Because you got to study it a bit to an extent. I think most of the guys who come regularly, that I see regularly at AOS, do geek out quite a bit. Right? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, but there are some other gyms where there's definitely more like a um, sport feel to it, you know, where it's more like drills, speed drills, power and stuff. I think it's oh, d- more it like depends a fitness on the performance kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it needs to be a balance of both. I think we're a bit too chilled out at AOS. You think so? You know, just talking about philosophy and concepts. <laughs> we need to but do that's more something you can take home to right? life. Yeah, but if you're talking about actual progression in jiu-jitsu, yeah, we do need to put in more fitness stuff, and you know. But it, it that's dependent on the environment of the gym right mm. so some competitive gyms and stuff you won't sit around talking about a technique for like 20 minutes you know you'll get shouted at <laughs> you know you're supposed to be drilling or doing something right well when it comes to the art of learning and the art of teaching though which way would you think is necessary like what is necessary and um, what is unnecessary i would definitely in the learning aspect i would say one like stay open-minded stay adventurous like keep exploring um, like if you're learning a specific position or technique, if if you can get a partner to drill with or explore with, just try out different things. Like see how you can stop that pass or see how you can stop the sweep or, you know, just like play around with it. See what other sweeps you can do with that control. Mm. See what you can connect to it. I would definitely say try to lose the ego aspect as in like the embarrassment. Because for me, I had like a breakthrough when I became a blue belt. Like it was a few months into blue belt. At this time, I was still just turning up to training, doing the technique that was shown. And I would just drill it as much as possible after class. But I would always be embarrassed to try the new techniques in case, like, for example, I did it wrong or somebody saw me do it wrong. So I would look silly doing the technique wrong. Or if I were to do it wrong and then my partner passes my guard and then I've lost a round. So the moment I let go of all of that, I felt like I progressed a lot because I let go of the outside pressures of like disappointing the coach, like not looking silly in front of people. And after I let go of those those fears, you saw more progression. Yeah, Faster, definitely. Right? You're not wasting time thinking, should I do it? Should I not? Right? It cuts yeah. out a lot of time sitting there pondering, wasting time. Should I do it? Should I not? What's this person thinking about me? What happens if I do it wrong? That's time you could be getting it wrong and getting it right, like fixing it as you go along. So you, you don't have to agree with it in the, the philosophical or psychological sense, but just from like framework of like functionality, it's just more efficient right in terms of progression so yeah for sure i think it's not an easy thing but then yeah you, you, you the ones who are good generally like kind of either get ignore their insecurities and get over it or don't have those thoughts in the first place but then there's also the, uh, the flip side to that mm. where guys think they're too good mm. yeah yeah that's, and they that's don't need good. to do extra yeah. training they, they no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. No. You can, so yeah. we know these guys exist but what, what if they don't think they fall in that category so what if they think like i hey, look i am where i am because i know where i am but in reality they need a lot more work. Well, that's why you got to test yourself, right? It's got to be your confidence has to be based on things, right? That's why competition is a great thing. But you can be confident without being an ass. Yes, of course. Yeah. I can be confident in my abilities, but I still train hard and still practice all the time and still try to improve myself. I don't think, oh, I'm this champion, that champion. 
I'm the shit, I don't need to train hard anymore because I've achieved this and I've achieved that. Oh, for sure. Evidence of that is if you were a world champion once and to be a world champion twice, you're going to have to work just as hard again, right? Yeah, if not harder, you if think? Not harder, because probably. that pressure is already there. You've already exactly. set so You've already set the standard for yourself. So for you is like can I can I get to that point again? So that just goes to show you can't for the guys to be successful over and over again, they definitely have to have that kind of thinking, right? What is it like when two black belts meet each other? I guess there's kind of a bit of a mutual respect because you both know, yeah, you know that you've probably you've gone through there, the same yeah. kind of thing to get to where you are. But it's it's natural. Like any guy is gonna be competitive and be like, oh, it's a black a black belt from somewhere else. Yeah, let's see what mixed, he's got. There's mixed feelings there, right? There's a bit of yeah, pressure. Yeah. There's a bit of anxiety. Yeah, you have there's a bit of excitement. It's a bit as of well. everything in yeah, there. Exactly. You don't want to lose. It's it's like anything, yeah. right? But at the same time you can kind of be excited as well especially if yeah. you're in a place where you don't get a lot of black belt training uh, it just depends on your own mindset right mm. it can be very exciting for some people as well it can be yeah. like, like, like and it's like you can always learn so it's also like a, a a chance to i guess share knowledge and experience stories so yeah for me i enjoy it i enjoy meeting other black belts just to hear their story like maybe gain some knowledge from them you generally spar and then they'll be like oh how did you do that oh i did this or how did you do that yeah and they're more open to help each other and share the knowledge for sure because everybody's going to have something that they do slightly differently you know it's not going to be like a whole new technique or whatever but they're definitely going to have a detail that's different whether it's better or not it's different you know and you're definitely going to learn something if he's an actual black belt you know he's been training for so many years and stuff so for sure you can learn yeah so for someone who's more of an opportunist they will see it as oh great i can now expand my vocabulary even more i don't know about opportunist that makes it sound so <laughs> bad right <laughs> but it is a great well, opportunity <laughs> why does opportunist need to be associated with negativity I blame mass media i suppose okay well we know you gotta go chris so um I just want to say thank you for coming on the show with us. Thanks for that. having me. Yeah, it's been great having you here. It's my podcast virginity. <laughs> we popped this podcast, Jerry. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jit Chats with Mike and Emily. We started this show because we wanted to raise awareness on this sport and we believe it can change people's lives for the better. Beyond physical health, we also believe BJJ has a tremendously positive impact off the mass. You can help us spread the word with a simple share of this podcast. You can also go the extra mile and support us through Patreon. The link will be in the show notes. Tune into the next episode. Us. We'll